What's up, everybody? Thank you for jumping on to Steelers To Go, your daily to-go cup of Pittsburgh Steelers news and analysis. I'm Noah Strackbine here every single Monday through Friday. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or anywhere you get your podcasts. The Steelers finished up OTA six days of helmets and shorts that truly doesn't really bring a lot of attention to it. But if we're being honest, like I said at the beginning of this, there's one rule that stands true when you're standing there watching players run back and forth, but really no contact being made. And that is you're seeing what's real and what is just being talked about. And I think those bring the three lessons learned in a full perspective. You walked into UPMC Rooney Sports Complex and you had ideas. You had thoughts of what the Steelers were going to look like, who was going to shine, and what players were going to impress or not impress. And truthfully, it's really hard not to impress when you're in helmets and shorts. So if you don't, it's speaking volumes. But afterwards, six days in, two weeks through OTAs, you walked away and you had a full perspective. You had a full understanding of what was real and what was not real. And it left me with three takeaways, three major things that I think we need to address moving forward that aren't huge talking points but seem to be headlines that need to be either corrected, straightened out, or just brought up in general. We're going to start with Najee Harris. Yeah, that second year jump is phenomenal. Derrick Henry type. There is absolutely no way to describe or do justice what Najee Harris looks like in person. And it's weird. Like it's hit a point where it's kind of creepy talking about Najee Harris's legs. But when they're that impressive they're going to make headlines. Remember Saquon Barkley? Quads Barkley? I don't know if you could come up with a nickname for Quads Harris or Saquad, Najee Quad. I don't know. I don't have a good one. Should have thought of one before the show, but I didn't. That's okay. His legs, his demeanor, his entire frame is ridiculous. Ridiculous. But you kind of expected it. He took that second year leap to a whole new level. And you saw that coming. Because at no point has anyone ever described Najee Harris as anything less than a guy who puts 110% of work into his craft. You have to remember, during his rookie season, he had to be kicked out of the facility by Eddie Faulkner because he was there too late watching film. He never wanted to go home. The dude always worked. Mike Tomlin constantly talked about what attracted him to Najee Harris was the fact that he was a workhorse, was the fact that he dedicated everything he had to his craft and to football, something as if Mike Tomlin does and loves out of his players. So the more he talked about it, the more you saw, yeah, Najee Harris is going to be really good. And you saw it as his rookie season. You saw how good Najee Harris could be, and you saw how much work he put into his game. There were times where it looked like he should have snapped his whole body in half, and afterwards, he'd be like, oh, yeah, man, I do yoga every single day because I want to prepare for situations like this. Just small little things like that that may stand out and say, yeah, we all saw this coming. We definitely saw this coming. But that's not what I want to talk about here. Pat Fryermuth's second-year jump is also impressive and floating under the radar. The dude makes every single catch. Mason Rudolph said it himself. Every quarterback on this roster knows that if Pat Fryermuth is one-on-one with somebody, they're giving him a chance because chances are he's coming down with the football, and you've seen that. 
He's got the best turnaround catch and keep going on the team. Easy. You throw a back shoulder fade to this guy, he's going to come up with the football. Pat Fryermute's second-year jump is more than probably anybody else's outside of Najee's, and it's equally as impressive. He's a guy that could be a superstar this year. He's a guy that looks like a veteran, looks like he's been here for a couple of years, developed himself into the league, and truthfully, it's his second season. And there were a lot of holes in year one, and those holes might still be there. We don't know how good at blocking he is. We don't know where that improvement went or how much that improvement was or is. But outside of that, when it comes to Pat Fryermuth and his specialty, which is pass catching, man, he looks good. And on top of that, he's a leader. He's been really open about it, how he wants to be a vocal leader to this team, how he wants to show everybody, hey, look at me and Najee, we're those second-year guys, but we're the stars. We're the up-and-coming guys on this offense, and we're going to lead this team on and off the field. I think that speaks volumes. Pat Fryermuth is a guy to watch moving forward. And not in like, oh man, like he might be a superstar. It's like, no, he probably is a superstar. We already knew that. But he might be just as impressive as Najee this season. And those two could be really dangerous moving forward for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lesson two. Can we stop talking about the offensive line? It's June. There's no pads on. Everybody and their mothers asking questions and all the media is bringing up, oh, well, what is this happening? What's happening with the offensive line? Let's go talk to the big guys. What are we talking about? Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green are competing at left guard. That's awesome. think that needed to happen. But that's the only thing that needed to happen. That was the only thing we cared about. Who's going to line up where? Mason Cole's lined up at center. James Daniels is the leader. Kendrick Green and Kevin Dotson are fighting for left guard. Cool. Sounds good. Now we know the order. What else are we learning from this? We talking about how comfortable guys feel? There's no pads on. I feel comfortable going up against dummies. Doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't think it makes sense to anybody else. I think people are out here talking and asking questions and the whole nine asking, trying to figure out the offensive line. And it's just a waste of time. What are we doing? It's June in, in July. In August, when we see what happens when there's full contact, when we see how well Najee Harris's holes are, when we see how many times Mitchell Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, and Mason Rudolph are getting clocked in the preseason, then we can talk about, okay, the offensive line is either really good or really bad. They made adjustments or they got worse. But right now, I mean, a year ago, there were storylines. A year ago, Kevin Dotson was being outshined by Rashad Coward. Zach Banner was trying to practice, but he wasn't practicing. Trey Turner was working his way into the system. There were a lot, a lot of question marks. This year we had one question mark. Who's lining up where? Well, we got those answers. We got those answers day one. Feel as if that's all we needed. Felt like it was a wasted two weeks of people talking about the offensive line. So I'm here to shut that down for at least the next month and a half. Then we talk about the offensive line again. And number three. And I know these are all offensive. The defense shined and they looked really good. But again, you don't know how good a defense is until they put pads on, until they have to actually shut guys down. Because right now everything's designed for the offense to shine. That's okay because, you know, the offense struggled last season. So it's good to see how good these guys are. And that's where we're going to go with this third lesson learned. And that is 
the Pittsburgh Steelers might have big guys. They might have Chase Claypool. They might have George Pickens and they might have Cody White. Guys that, you know, are bigger, bigger wide receivers. But they play small man football and they play it well. And it allows everybody to play big man football in a small body. I watched Calvin Austin go up and snag a sideline catch over not one, but two defenders. I talked to him afterwards and all he did was tell me that, yeah, the slur, the term slot receiver might be a little over overdated, outdated. We, we don't play that here. Allow, everybody knows every position because everybody should be able to play every position. Chase Claypool, George Pickens included. They should be able to play slot as well as they play outside. Calvin Austin, little 5'8", Calvin Austin, should be able to play outside as well as he plays inside. And that allows for everybody to shine. It was the first time I really realized that, that the Pittsburgh Steelers are built for a small man wide receiver group. They just happen to have Chase Claypool and they just happen to have George Pickens be absolute physical monsters when it comes to their build. But the way it's designed, the way that they do things is small man football. And I think that's really, really impressive for a couple of reasons. One, Calvin Austin's a stud, a stud. And I think we all knew he was going to be a stud. He's super twitchy. He's super quick. He goes up and he gets footballs. He plays much bigger than he is, much, much bigger. Like if Deontay Johnson plays bigger than he is, which I truthfully don't believe he does, Calvin Austin plays like a 6'2 wide receiver. He's five foot eight on a good day. He's listed at five foot eight, which means that he's like five foot seven. I'm not going up and getting footballs over two guys. And I'm not athletic, but I'm five foot eight. And I can tell you, I look up to Chase Claypool, and all I think about every time I talk to him is there is zero chance, zero chance I would even be able to touch the top of your head if I jumped. Calvin Austin just looks at these guys and he goes, Yeah, I'm going to outdo you. Easy, every single time. Every single one of these guys could run the crispest routes on the football field. And yeah, Deontay Johnson is still the best at that, but George Pickens is right behind him. Calvin Austin is right behind him. And Gunnar Olefsky is, he's a wide receiver. I don't know why he only has nine career catches. I don't understand where that narrative came from. I don't know what Bill Belichick was thinking in not wanting this guy to be a wide receiver. And maybe things change. Maybe things change when pads come on. I don't know. But every time I look at him, all I think is, yeah, maybe maybe he doesn't do contact well. But that still doesn't change the fact that he is always wide open. Not kind of open. Wide open. Every single time. His double moves literally make people fall to the ground. I've seen it in person. It is so impressive. So impressive. And that's every one of these guys. Every one of these guys can make every other defender miss. The best defenders in football miss. Maybe they all get thrown off the line when bump and run coverage is there. But chances are they're not playing a Jalen Ramsey type player every single week. And if they could outrun you, if they could out route run you, if they could create space, I mean, every one of these guys is dangerous with the ball in their hands. There were times where like you you watched Antonio Brown and you thought like this offense is designed to Antonio Brown. This offense is designed for the guy that's not super big, but man, he is going to be open all the time and he is going to make a lot of plays with the ball in his hands. I felt the Steelers went away with that. 
I felt the Steelers adjusted to Deontay was the only guy that was always open. And then they had Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster, which were bigger guys, and they were trying to create a bigger man-wide receiver group. I don't know if they just realized that's not the way that they want to do that, or I don't know if that's Matt Canada's offensive style. But it's back to that A-B, always open, everybody's going to be a superstar with the ball in their hands offense. And it is exciting to watch. Very exciting to watch. The Pittsburgh Steelers offense looks good. Again, we got to see what this offensive line is. We got to see how well the quarterbacks handle pressure in game-like situations. But OTAs is all about the skill, guys. It's all about the people who can make plays with the ball in their hands and showing how well they actually move. And they looked good.